Well, come on now. Who's excited to be here in the house of the Lord today? Make a little bit of noise. Come on. Thank you so much, worship team. Man, so good to see you guys. We want to welcome you to Better Life Church. We want to take a moment. Also, we want to welcome our Grayson campus. Come on, can we get for our Grayson campus? We love you guys. I'm telling you what, Grayson is just knocking out of the park. Let me just speak to you guys just for a moment. And let's let everybody know. I don't know if you know this all, but our Christmas services, you know, we launched Grayson, our, our campus. We are one church in two locations. And we launched Grayson almost a year ago in this January. We're getting ready to celebrate the one-year anniversary coming at the end of the month. And uh, this past Christmas, they're not even a year old yet, and this past Christmas they had over 500 people in attendance. Is that not amazing? Come on, man. That's so exciting. So we love you guys. want to welcome everybody online too. Thank you for tuning in. We'll welcome you here at the Moorhead campus as well. Thank you for being uh, here today. In fact, you know what the good news is? Today you already have perfect attendance this year. Is that not amazing? Come on. You're like, all right, yeah, well, perfect attendance. We'll see how long that lasts. But anyway, we are, we are so glad that you are here. What a year that we had last year. We saw tons of salvations. We saw tons of new people and new faces uh, come through Better Life Church. We, we saw tons of next steps, tons of people baptized. Uh, so many people jump into Life Track. If you don't know what Life Track is and you're starting this year off and like, hey, I just want to start off getting plugged into church. You know, I, I just want to know what my next steps may be. I want to encourage you to jump into Life Track. It's a great place for you to start to learn about the gifts that God's given you and how God's wired you and wants to use you uh, and all these great things and how to read your Bible, how to share your faith. We'd love for you to jump into Life track you just go to one of our next step area and they would help you uh with that you know as we just walk through uh what the lord has done and i wish i had time to talk all about what he did last year but i, I want to highlight one thing here that happened around christmas time and you know this that we have uh, some of you may be wondering we took up our year-end offering so if you visit us we do this at the end of every year we say god what's next what are we doing and we're, we're we took up this offering to go to really enhance and and really honestly uh to build and launch an online campus we're reaching thousands of of people online, which is which is amazing to see the influence that God is using right here from Eastern Kentucky to touch the world, y'all. It's just amazing, and so we need to harness that and, and what the Lord is doing. So part of that offering goes to that. We're going to be launching our youth ministry this year. And Grayson, is that not exciting? So excited about that. So exciting. We're in the infancy stages of that, but because of the offering, we're getting in place to build that, to make it the best we can. I'm telling you what, uh, middle school, high school students there in that region, you better watch out. We're coming for you. So I'm super excited about that. And also, uh, we just said, you know, what's left over, we're going to put to the side, and we're just going to seek God. And that's what this series is really about, as we're going into this 2020 year, seeking God, and say, God, whatever you want to do, we will do. And the answer is yes, but we're going to get in position and wait. When you say do it, the answer will be be yes. And, and because of your generosity and, and above and beyond our weekly uh, needs here to, to, to operate here at Bell Life Church, we took in right around $70,000. Is that not amazing? Come on, I think that's just, that is awesome, guys. Thank you so much for your generosity. And I'm going to tell you what, Better Life Church, you are so generous. You're, you're, you're the most generous church I've ever been part of in my entire life. You are so generous. You want to spread the gospel. You want to advance the kingdom of God. And now, you know, getting ready to be into, in August will be three years into this facility. And, and as we walk through it, and, and this is a big undertaking, we trust the Lord with this. And we didn't do a building campaign. And maybe you're visiting, you come from a church. I'm not anti-building campaign. It's usually where you make a pledge for 36 months or so. And we're going to do this together. And that's fine. Someday we may do that. But we didn't do that. And 
this regard to build this facility. We say, listen to Jesus and do what he tells us to do. And over the past couple of years, being in the building, having a new normal, like what does it cost to operate and all these things like that, um, because of your generosity, I just want you to know this because this is so exciting. Because of your generosity, uh, uh, last year at the end of the year, we were able, watch this, to pay $200,000 extra down on the debt of the note of this place. Is that not unbelievable? Is that awesome? I mean, that is... That is just so, so good. And listen, we practice what we preach. We give about 10% of our overall uh, gifts, a giving that comes about our church to missions. So we're advancing the kingdom. We believe in missions. We practice what we ask you to do as well. And at the end of the month, we have our annual report come out. If you're part of Bear Life Church, you would want to see that. It talks about here's what happened. Here's the salvations and the baptism. And here's what the offerings. And this is what we did with the missions and the missions that we supported. That will come at the end of the month. But part of that, you'll get to see that we reduce the debt services by a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is always good. Dave Ramsey, fist bump. Joe Sangle, fist bump. Okay, so I know those guys are excited about that. Just want to brag on what the Lord is doing through you guys, and so uh, uh, that's really, really exciting. You know, we're in this new series called Seek, and, and it's about really seeking after God, and you got this 2020. Is that not the perfect year to have a great vision for your life? You know, 2020, and as I, I thought about this, um, no pun intended with the 2020, but as I thought about this, all the way back in 2013, maybe some of you were here, some of you are a lot of new faces, obviously we got a new campus as well, but in 2013, I, I stood up on stage and I cast a grand big 2020 vision. I don't know if you remember that or not, and, and, and part of that 2020 vision was, you know what, someday that we're going to see 3,000 people worship together at Better Life Church, and people are like, Pastor, you're crazy, like that's it's insane, 3,000 people. People are not going to gather in this little part of the region of eastern Kentucky and go to church. That's just insane. You, you, maybe in a large city, maybe somewhere big, a large population, but not in eastern Kentucky. Well, folks, last Easter we had over 3,000 people worship together, which was amazing. We said, wouldn't it be great if we, if we had five campuses? We had five different campuses where we're reaching all over the, the, the region. And we just threw out, said, no, what? Let's just throw out the number five. Maybe God's going to do something great. And uh, we don't have five campuses. We have our Moorhead campus. We have our, our, uh, our Grayson campus. We have an online campus. And at the time, we weren't thinking really that being as a campus. But the year's not over. We'll seek and see what the Lord has in store for us. I said, wouldn't it be amazing if we saw 500 middle school and high school students or students worshiping together in service? And, and what I didn't think about at that time is a college ministry that we have actually started that once a month that happens. We're going to start back here at the end of the month. And our last college night, we had a middle school and high school event, and then we had our college night. And between all the students that showed up, we had roughly over 400 students show up and worship the Lord. So we were on track to see 500 students. Is that not amazing? Right here. And I said, wouldn't it be great if we were able to give a half a million dollars away to missions and organizations and people in need and, and help those who can't really help themselves and, and make a difference in their life? And like, you got to understand, go back to 2013, 3,000 people, that's insane. Five campuses, that's insane. A half a million dollars, I mean, that's, in, that's a ridiculous amount. And obviously up to this date, since we launched our church, we've roughly given around or even over a million dollars to missions and organizations in our community and around the world. Is that not un that's unbelievable. 
And then we said, wouldn't it be amazing to have this, you know, you know, multi-million dollar facility, square foot, where we could come in and we could facilitate the ministry of Better Life Church and make a difference in our region. And we can use this to broadcast the message that God, and that's what we're doing, to broadcast, to send. This facility is just a facility to facilitate the ministry that God has given us. It's not about a building, y'all. Just because you get a building doesn't mean you arrive. But that was a great vision, you know. Let's buy this piece of property. Someday we'll build a building on it. Someday we'll use it to spread the gospel, and it's come to pass. But now it's 2020. And now you're sitting here and go, now we finally arrived, if you want to say that, arrived to the year 2020. What's next? So what's the next big grand vision? And I want you to hear me. I don't know. That's probably not a good place sometime to see in a year of 2020. It's January. You stand up. You've got New Year goals and resolutions. I'm all about that. And you're like, what's the great grand vision? I get, I get a lot of... Uh, of emails from pastors and church consultants and and uh, church co- and pastor that coaches other pastors and and they're on all their emails they say let me help you craft a 2020 vision for your church let me help you cast this great grand 2020 vision for your church folks listen I can cast vision and I can dream dreams and I can give inspiration but we don't need that we need revelation from God and what He wants us to do. And so this whole, this whole series is bent towards how do we get in position and posture and what's the process for us to seek God when we don't know what's next? How do you do that in your own life when you don't know what's next? God, I don't know what to do next. Should I take this job? Should I move to the city? Should I marry this person? Should I major in this? Should I invest in this? I don't know what's next. How do you seek God and say, God, what do you want for my life? And so for the next few weeks, if that intrigues you any bit, that's what we're going to be focused on. That's how do we get in position to hear God speak and to really seek after him. And what does it even mean to seek after God? Like what does it mean to truly, to truly to do that? And so our prayer is, God, would you do something so big in our church that only you can get the glory for it, only you could get the credit for it? I shared this back in November with all of our team members at our team member formal and our staff. We're talking about this year to come, and, and then we kick off this year. We're just going to seek God and say, God, the answer is yes. Whatever you want to do, we'll do it. But we're going to get together corporately, and we're going to seek God, and we're going to get together individually, and we're going to seek God and say, God, what do you have? What's your dream for our life? What's your vision for our life? What do you want to do in 2020? And so that, with that preference, that's where we're going to head over the next few weeks, lead them to our anniversary here at the end of the month. But I want you just to, to think about how do you get in position? What posture do you need? And then what is the process when it comes to really seeking after God and doing His will for your life? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Luke uh, chapter 9. And when you get to Luke chapter 9, if you have your Bible, flip over to Matthew chapter 6. Now some of you, uh, you're, you're still like me. You're old school. You like your Bible. You like a print Bible. You like to write. You like to highlight. You take, the, take notes. I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, bring it. If you don't have a Bible, we will give you a Bible. It's just something about when you follow along. And I know I bounce around through translations sometimes. It may not be the exact translation. Some of you, you're in the digital age now. You love the digital. You're version. You got there. You take notes on your phone. Everybody, you know, now everybody thinks you're texting somebody. If you want to look super spiritual, just say, I'm taking notes, pastor's notes. All right, just write it down. But I would encourage you this year to be the year that you take Take some notes. And the reason why I say that is because if you're going to seek after God and God speaks to you, you need to capture that moment. But you need to go back and go, God, what were you saying to me? 
When we went through this series or when I started the year or in my quiet time, this is what you were saying. You jotted something down so you can go back and reference that. So I just want to encourage you somewhere that you will begin just to take some notes, write some things down. If you pray in your journal, if you don't have one, we've got plenty, I believe, out there in our resources that you can grab and jump in and, and start taking some notes. And so I just want to make sure that you, you're aware of that. Just to, If you're going to seek God, jot down maybe what he may be speaking to you. Now, in Luke chapter 9, the reason I want to go to this passage is because I believe in this passage are some things that keep me and you, and I'm preaching to myself, from really truly seeking after God. So how do we get in position that we can really follow after Jesus, seek after Jesus, and hear his voice in our life? So today is all about just the foundation of how do you actually do that. So if you're ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking... Now, who's they? They are the disciples. This is Jesus. As Jesus and the disciple, that's who they is. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, said to Jesus, I will seek you and follow after you wherever you go. Wherever you go, I will follow you. Jesus replies, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Immediately it transitions Jesus now said to another person, now we don't know how fast this transition has happened. According to the text, it seems like it's simultaneously. A man comes up to Jesus, says, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus says, I don't know about that. And then he looks at another guy and says, but you can follow me. And he points at someone and he calls him in verse 59, follow me. And then the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Doesn't sound like a bad request, right? Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their dead And he said, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another person came up to Jesus as they were walking and says, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. That's not too bad, right? Say goodbye to your family. Jesus says, no one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the service and the kingdom of God. And then the story stops. It just stops. We have, we have no more Paul Harvey, like here's the rest of the story, right? We have no idea what happens next. The, the Bible doesn't address these three guys anymore. We don't know what takes place. We don't know if they truly followed after Jesus. But here's what you need to know about Jesus. Jesus can look and see past every facade that we have. You can fake your spouse out. You can fake your kids out. You can fake your pastor out. You can fake your church out. But you will not fake Jesus out. He sees your heart and he knows your motives. So when you come to Jesus, say, Jesus, or you're around people, I will blank, I will follow you, I'll do what you want, I will serve you, I will bless you. He sees the motives of your heart. And so by looking at this text, we see that Jesus was looking what's really holding them back from seeking after Jesus. What's really holding them back from following him to be everything that he wants them to be. And when I read this, I I want this... And when I looked at it, some of it, honestly, it's even in my own life. And I thought, if it's in my life, that may be a hindrance for me following Jesus. Maybe it might be in your life as well. So if we walk through this passage, what I want to do is I want to point out these three guys. And I'm going to point out what I believe as I look through Jesus' eyes to their heart by his response, that this may be what's really holding some of us back from truly seeking after Jesus. Right? It's a new year, new you. It's 2020, you got your goals, you got your resolutions, all this great grand stuff. But what's keeping you from really truly seeking after Jesus? Let's go to the first one. And here's what I would say if you're taking notes, write this down. My pleasures. 
And no, I'm not acting like a Chick-fil-A teller here when I say my pleasure. I'm saying my pleasures, my comfort, the things, the lifestyle that I want, the pleasures of my life will hinder me and keep me, watch this, from seeking truly and following after Jesus. So let's walk back through this in verse 57. As they were walking along, a man said, I will follow you wherever you go. I will seek you. Your steps are my steps. Where you go, I will go. And then Jesus says, foxes have holes and birds of their have nests, but the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. So let's put this in context. Jesus, I talked about this last year, is a rabbi. They saw him as this master teacher and a rabbi. As a rabbi, you would go and you would pick a pupil, a Talmudin, which was a disciple, that you would say, listen, you have what it takes to get to the next level. Come follow me. And the rabbi would pick his student. Now, a lot of times the students would come to the teacher. The rabbi says, can I follow you? Which means I want to become like you. I want to be like you. So if you put this in the context and understand this, this is not out of the norm for people to come up to Jesus every single day that he walked on the planet, when he made his announcement that he was the Messiah when he was 30 years old. No wonder people, okay, I will follow you. I will follow you. What they're saying is, I want to become like you. If you're the master rabbi, would you please take me on as your apprentice? Would you please take me on to be your disciple? And a lot of times they would approach the rabbi. Now Jesus, they see this. So when this guy comes up to Jesus, it says, Master, teacher, Lord, I will follow you. I want to be like you. I want to be your disciple. Jesus has a response to him. And his response may catch us off guard a little bit. He said, well, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But listen, I don't even have a place to lay my head down tonight. And you want to follow me? And see, Jesus looked at his heart and says, listen, you think following me is going to be a comfortable life. You think following me that you're going to feel all your pleasures that you want. You see, you put this in perspective. They thought Jesus was going straight to the Rome and overthrow the Romans and that he was going to sit on his kingdom and his glory at that moment. So this guy thought, man, I'm going to get in this stock early. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get in like at the IPO level right here and I'm going to get in with Jesus so when he raises up to overthrow Rome, I'm going to be sitting on his left or maybe his right. I'm going to follow Jesus because he's going to be good for me. He's going to make it comfortable for me. He's going to give me the pleasures that I want. And Jesus says, wait, man, I don't even know where I'm laying my head at tonight. I don't even have a house to cover me. Foxes have holes to live in. Birds have nests to live in. I don't even know where I'm sleeping just yet. And you want to follow me? You think following me is going to be comfortable? You think following me is going to be like this great grand adventure and, that, and all this stuff is going to happen and there's not going to be no pain in your life? You see, that's what we pray. We want God to do something great. God, do something so big in my life you only get the glory for it. See, do you know why we're afraid to pray audacious prayers? We're afraid to pray something audacious because God will speak when we do. God may ask you to do something and you don't want to do it. God may ask you to write a check and you don't want to write a check. God may say, go share your faith with your coworker this year, but you're embarrassed because they're like anti-church and you're afraid to share your story. See, I don't want to pray big prayers because God may ask me to do something. Well, listen, following Jesus requires you to do something. So if you really want to seek after him, you got to get uncomfortable. Following Jesus, especially today, is uncomfortable. No one wants to talk about Jesus. Everybody's okay talking about God. Isn't it amazing people talk about God? People stand up and they proclaim God and they talk about God and they talk about the faith and stuff. And they see other stuff like they're following after. I mean, think about even America. Most people in America said they believe in God. We sure don't live like it. Our world walks around and says we believe in God. 
Are you kidding me? And we murder 42 million babies a year? And we say we're God-walking, God-fearing people? What do you, what do we, see, see, we, we say these things. See, everyone's talking about God, but let's stop talking about God and let's start talking about specific Jesus. Because he is God who can change the world. Let's, we see, when you talk about God, people really don't say that. You start talking about Jesus, everyone gets upset. Jesus says, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. You will have trouble in this world. But none of us want to suffer. Listen to me. Let me just let everybody know this. You will suffer. Suffering is coming to all of us. You're going to suffer a sickness. You're going to suffer a heartache. Lost people around you will die. And eventually you will die. Do you know that? I read the statistics. One out of one people die. It's crazy. It's a crazy statistic. Crazy. Suffering's coming, but we want a comfortable life. I don't want to do anything to ruffle anybody's feathers. I want to make sure that I had the right job, had the right thing, and, and God don't ask me to step out too far by faith because that's uncomfortable. And you say you want to seek him? You say you want to follow Jesus? See, following Jesus will make you get uncomfortable. And we want comfort, not stress. We want things that brings us security, and nothing is guaranteed in this world. We want things that are predictable. You see, when we see God working or doing, we should jump in no matter how uncomfortable we be. Here's what Jesus is saying. Bro, have you counted the cost of following me? Because if you truly want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. You know why most of us can't follow Jesus? Because we don't want to deny ourselves. So see, this guy wasn't really willing to get uncomfortable. Here's the second thing. My priorities. They all start with P. I'm trying to be like Pastor Jacob. He always has these letters and it all works out great and grand he would put he probably took seek and spread spell seek out for you and gave you this unbelievable sermon my priorities my priorities will keep me from seeking after jesus so watch this the guy comes up to him offers rabbi i'll follow you and jesus said wait a second i see your heart you really want to follow me better count the cost you want comfortable it's not comfortable following me the second guy jesus looks at and says but guess what but you can follow me you follow me and then the guy says, no, 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 first let me go and bury my father. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Put this in context. Now, we don't really know. There's debate back and forth. And really, it's not even the issue. But just if you're reading the text, just so we can exegete it and be true to the text here. We don't really know if this guy's dad's dead yet. He could be dying and says, let me go back and bury my dad. His dad could have already been dead, and the custom was that once you die, you would be mummified, and once you wrapped them in linen, you would place them in a tomb with about 30 other different bodies. I don't know how they know the difference of them. Maybe they tagged it, put this mark on it. I don't know. And then a year later, you would go in, and you would take the bones of your father, you would put them in a bag, and then you do another proper burial. We don't know if he's waiting for his father to decay in that tomb before he goes back and finish the proper burial because that was one of the highest religious activities you can do is to make sure that you gave the proper burial to the person or the loved one that passed away. It's extremely high religious view and activity to do. So he's, Jesus is not saying not honor your parents or, or, or not do the right thing. He's saying, listen, your priorities are not straight. Whether his dad was dead, we don't know that for sure. Whether he was already dead in the tomb waiting to go back and get the bones and give the proper burial. He was willing to delay. He says, I'm just not ready 
Because Jesus says, you can follow me, but my priorities are not in straight yet. I have divided attention because I think it would be pretty cool to follow after you, Rabbi, but I've still got some other priorities that I need to attend to first. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. You go. The number one priority is for you to go and proclaim the kingdom of God. See, most of us, let's just face it, we don't have our, th- our right priorities in place. And we wonder why it's so hard to seek after Jesus. We wonder why it's so hard to find because, honestly, we, don't, we have our priorities out of whack. We have other things. Like, hey, let me give you an example. Hey, we should all jump in a group this year and this semester and be in a group. I can't because I don't have time. You have wrong priorities. Ouch. That's just what it is. Hey, you should serve on Sunday at one of our campuses, at one of our locations, because if you're part of the body of Christ, God saved you. He gave you a gift. He wants you to use that gift, not for yourself, but to serve other people. And here's what, I can't because I don't have time. Or I don't want to come to two services, serve one and attend one, because I really, that's just two hours of my time or two and a half, that's just way too much on my Sunday. You see what I'm saying? We say we want to seek after Jesus and follow after him, but we got our priorities and out of whack. And we're wondering, God, do something great in my life. May 2020 be the best year. God, do something so big. He said, you're not even doing the basics like praying, fasting, reading your Bible, sharing, being generous with other people, and proclaiming, which as we see here in this text, What's the greatest thing that God could do is to proclaim the kingdom of God. When's the last time you shared your story with the people around you at work and your family? See, maybe our priorities are not in check. And when my priorities are out of whack, when I put other things first in front of Jesus, guess what happens? No wonder I say, man, I just don't hear God speak. I just don't, I don't sense God's nearness. God hasn't moved. God wants to be sought after. But he's not hiding from you. He wants you to seek his face. We see this all through this. Seek me and you will find me. But I don't want to seek. I don't have time to seek because of my priorities. See, if we really want to get in position, we've got to get our priorities straight. And say, God, I want what you want for my life. You see, Jesus, when he came, he says, I've come down to do my father's will from heaven. I want to do what he wants me to do, and I'm going to do what he has sent me to do. Why? Because my priorities are in line. You can get your priorities straight. And listen, you, no one can make you do that but you. So as you plan all these New Year's resolutions and goals and stuff like that, what's your priority list? How, how is your priority list? Seeking after Jesus. And let me tell you something about seeking after Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to be first. He wants to be center. See, Jesus, it's something you wake up in the morning, you check off your box. Well, did Jesus, Dad, got that out of the way. Whoop, let's hit the work. And you go to work and you act like you never, ever spent time with Jesus. Can I get a witness? Right? See, Jesus don't want to be first. He wants to be center. He wants to be the center of your marriage. He wants to be the center of your finances. He wants to be the center of your parenting. He wants to be the center of you on the basketball team. He wants to be the center of your academics. He wants to be the center of your education. He wants to be the center of everything you do. He's not first as a checkoff. Okay, spent time with Jesus. Check. All right, send a little love letter to my wife. Check. Okay, tell my kid I love them. Check. He's not a priority as a list. He wants to be the center in everything you do, which means when I go to work, I can go into work saying, Jesus, what do you want to do at work today? God, where are you working at today? God, you brought me here for a reason, a purpose, and it's bigger than my paycheck. Who needs to be touched by you today? And God, how can you use me to do that? 
When you go to school, young people, you're like, hey, God, you placed me in the school for a reason. It's bigger than just my education. Why have you put me here? It's not just my priorities of my academics. You, yes, that's great, and you should study hard, but there's another reason. If you look around you, maybe God has you there for a different reason than just that. That's what it looks like to seek him and say, okay, I'm going to put you first in the center of everything that I do. See, Jesus wants to be centered, but he can't when we don't prioritize him. So maybe for you, it's your comfort and your pleasure is going, I'm just too comfortable right now to really get uncomfortable for Jesus. You know what? I just don't have time for Jesus right now and seek him because my priorities are out of whack. Or it may be your plans. And that would be the third one. My plans. My plans can hinder me from truly seeking after Jesus. Look what he says here in verse 61. He says, I will follow you. This is a guy, again, on his own, comes to Jesus. I will follow you. And then look what he says. Lord, but. How in the world can the word Lord and but come out of the same breath? Think about that. Lord, master, owner. Stop. Either he's Lord or he's not. Either he's the master or he's not. He's the owner or he's not. Lord, but. But first, let me go and fulfill my plans and say bye to my family. As if that was a harsh request. That's not a harsh request. It kind of puts you in mind Elisha and Elijah in this situation. The same thing similar happened. He goes, let me just go tell my, my family bye, and then I'll come and I'll follow you wherever you want to go. Don't seem like a bad request. Jesus is not being mean here. He's trying to look at his heart. He says, listen, you think about your plans are greater than my plans for your life. And I'm telling you, your plans will hinder you from doing what God wants me to do. I mean, come on. I'm all about 2020 goals. Maybe you wrote them down. I'm all about 2020 resolution. Maybe you wrote all them down. But for this a little, for simplicity's sake, there will be no change until you change your habits. You've got to change your habits so you experience no change. You can write all this grand vision and all these great goals and all this stuff, but until you change habits in your life, you will never, ever see the transformation you're looking for. That was free. You can write that down later. But your 2020 goals, how many of them included God? How many of you got and said, God, what's your, what do you want to see happen in my life in 2020? It's the basic ones, right? God, I got to get out of debt because I charged way too much for Christmas. Pay this off. Get a little bit about in shape. Put the Oreo down. Grab an apple. Ugh. All right, got that one. Where's he at? Jesus helped me be a better husband this year and a little bit more patient with my wife. That's a good goal. Jesus, clean my schedule off so I can spend more time with my kids because life is short and they're, they're growing and leaving and they're it's up so fast. How can I be a great influence then for the next few moments that I have with them? Where is he at in your plans? Where is he at in your goals? God, how can I be a little bit more generous this year as you've blessed me to be a blessing to other people? Not how much more I can get. What can I give? And we can do this in everything in, in every area of life. God, here's my plans this year. That's what we do, right? We plan these great grand goals. We got all these great plans. And then we look at God and we say, will you please bless them? God, bless this outline, this plan. Here's my plan. I think it's a great plan. Thank you, by the way. I think it's a great plan. Lord, would you just kind of sprinkle a little bit of blessing on it? And honestly, that's what most of us do. And sit there and say, God, what do you want for my life? Instead of saying, Lord, but... Here's what you're saying. Lord, I'll do what I want to do, how I want to do it. 
I'll invest in what I want to invest in. I'll spend my money in what I want to spend on. I will marry who I want to marry. I'll date who I want to date. I'll major in what I want to major in. I'll live where I want to live. I'll buy whatever I want to buy. Why? Because I can, Lord. How does that go like that? Either he's Lord or he's not. And if he's master and he's Lord and he's the owner of everything, how can we not get before him and say, God, is this what you want me to do this year? Is this the investments you want me to make? Is this the place you want me to live? Is this where you want me to go? Is this the difference you want me to make? Lord, I'm yours. If I'm going to seek you and follow you, will you direct my path? And he says, if you'll get your pleasures out of your way and you'll get your priorities straight and you'll move your plans, I got this crazy audacious plan for your life if you'll just trust me and seek me and come after me. And if you'll come after me, you will find me. See, we're leaving him out. And honestly, our plans could distract us from really what God wants us to do. And so he goes on, he says to the guy, he says, listen, no one puts their hand to the plow. Think of a plow, right? And they didn't have John Deere's or anything like that. They had, a, they had this great big ox and, and they, 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 they had this plow behind it and they would hold the plow and they'd try to steady their best they can and, and try to make the straightest path they can make. If you're a farmer, you know what I'm talking about. And what Jesus says, you can't hold on to the plow and turn your head backwards. Because if you do, your path is going to be crooked. And some of our paths have been crooked, and some of it's because, let's just honest us, because we made some stupid decisions. I'm going to do what I want. I'm not going to seek God's will on this. I'm going to do what I want. I'll marry who I want. I'll invest in what I want. I'll build what I want. I'll major in what I want. I'll take the job that I want because it makes the most money. I'm going to do it because it's for me. And that path has kind of went like this. Because instead of keeping our eyes on Jesus, we'll look at other things like our priorities, our plans, our comfort. And now what I'm encouraged you to do is get, here's what, here's what I love about that. Even if your path has been crooked, isn't it amazing that God's grace comes in and straightens us right back out? Even when we make dumb decisions, there is consequences to it, but God says, come here, come here, come here, come here. Let me help you. What I'm trying to do is help you get out of your way. Get before the Lord and seek Him. And let me tell you, He's really been teaching me this lesson in my life. This last little bit is my wife. We're going through some things right now as a family, we're doing some things, and she's like, We're going to seek God every single day and every single step and every single thing. And I'm sitting there going, I get frustrated. I said, well, I don't know how to, how to do this. She goes, Have you prayed? Don't talk to me like that. Right? Well, let's just stop and ask God what He wants us to do. No, I need to know now, right? So she has been teaching me this. You know, we're all the way, every little step, we're just going to walk through this, and we're going to pray through this, and we're just going to trust the Lord, and His peace will guide and direct us in all that we do. So now because of that, our perspective, every single person you come in contact with, every step of the way is a purpose and a meaning that God wants to use it for His good and for His glory. So we look at that, and we listen to that, and say, God, what do you have for us? See, when it really comes to seeking after Jesus, because I'm going to be honest with you, here's the point. The reason what keeps us from really truly seeking after him is because it's all about me. My priorities, my plans, my pleasure. And if I can get away from me and say, God, it's all about you, could you imagine what he'd want to do with our lives? Could you imagine the impact that we could have in this world and in this region if we could just get out of the way of ourselves? It's where we take our plans, our priorities, and our prayers and say, God, I submit it to you and it be in line with your kingdom and your will and your power and your authority in my life. So how do you do this? Gosh, this is so simple, man. 
This is so simple. Like, this is so simple. Like, really, why can't you just tell us in the beginning I could have got here earlier and beat all the traffic, right? I mean, like, this is, let me tell you how you do this. So simple. How do you seek God? You get up every single day. And before you get out of bed or when you get out of bed or when you was in the shower, whatever you're doing, and say, God, today I give it to you. And I want your will to be done in my life today. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Wherever you want me to say, I'll say. Wherever you need me to do, I'll do. Help me look and recognize where you're working. I submit my plans to you. I submit my priorities to you. I submit my life to you. That's it. That's it. And it's in that position. And we'll talk about the posture next week. But it's getting that you in position for God to say, finally, you got out of your way. Here's what I want you to do. And he will speak to you and he will guide you and he will lead you and the people around you and you will be with him. You see, this is so basic. Seeking is just focusing. Do you know that? Seeking is just focusing. What are you focusing on? And anyone can seek after Jesus. Anyone can seek after Jesus. The word seek here means to desire and look for. Now watch this. So every day of your life, you get up. Jesus, I desire your will. I desire your plan. You can do this in your car on the way to work, school. It doesn't matter. Jesus, I desire what you want today. That's seeking him. It's not this big, grand, glorious thing you have to have. and You got to have the worship music on playing. You got to sit there and meditate and make sure, God, I'm seeking, I'm seeking. There's time for that. No, no, no. Seeking is to desire. I want your will. I want your kingdom, your reign, your rule in my life. That's all that means. And then it means this, watch this, to look for. So that means every day when you go to work, God, I'm looking for where you're working. God, who needs to hear from you today? And how do you want to use me? When I go to school, where I'm in the locker room, where I'm sitting in a classroom, where I'm at Walmart, I'm at Cracker Barrel, doesn't matter. When I'm looking for and desiring what God wants to do around me, his kingdom around me, for you know it, you'll be sitting there talking and someone come and they'll say, yeah, I'm going to do this in my life. This is going on. And you're like, uh-oh, God, is this, what, is this what you want me? Is this why you brought me here today? When you have that friend at school and they're saying, hey, I'm sitting here and I'm still struggling because I'm still cutting myself, teenager. It happens all the time. And maybe God puts you right there in the locker room with that person or, 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 or in the corner over in the room with that person and go, God, is this, what you, is this what you brought me here today? You see, seeking is just desiring and looking. And every one of you can do this. Imagine. 1,500 people gets up every day in this region and says this, God, I desire your will in my life and I'm going to look for you today and where you're moving. Are you kidding me? Folks, we could change the world. Get in position. And God said, I will take you on this great grand ride. Yes, you better count the cost. There is suffering when it comes to following Jesus. That shouldn't shock us. In this world, you will have trouble. Don't worry about it. I've overcome it. You're an overcomer. It's okay. Just trust me and follow after me. And I, I left this verse out, but it's very important. So I'm, I'm going to go back to it real quick. In Matthew 6, It's my last verse. When a pastor says that, that means it gets 10 more minutes, but I, I'm going to just hang tight. Look what he says. But seek first his kingdom. His kingdom. And all these things you're worrying about, putting food on the table, taking care of your kids, make sure they're going through college, make sure you have everything in working place, all the things that you're striving for, make sure you make, have enough to get to retirement, make sure you got everything in situation, all this work, this, this, this job, this, this meeting, this boss, all these things that you're concerned and you're worried about, guess what? I'll take care of it. But here's the order. 
just put me first. Seek my kingdom and reign at the center of everything you do. At work and your marriage, find, let's just put me in the center. And everything you worry about, I'll take care of it. If you will seek my kingdom first, all these things will be given to you. So what does he say? Verse 34, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has another problems of its own. Stay present, stay in today. Seek me today. But God, what about tomorrow? What about the future? How are we going to plan? You can prepare for it, but listen, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. None of us are. Today, God, what's your will today? God, I will seek your face today. Some of you need to get saved today because today is the day of salvation and you are not promised tomorrow. Seek first his kingdom and watch this. He says, and I will add the things that you worry about, I got you. The lilies of the field, I clothe them. The birds of the air, I give them barns to sleep in. Do you not care? Do you think your heavenly father not cares more about you and your stuff that you need? I got you, bro. I got you. Just come after me. Seek me and you'll find me. And what I want to encourage every one of us to do is to seek Jesus now, today, not tomorrow, today. Get in position today to say, God, what is your will? He's not finished with you. How do I know? You're still breathing. He has a purpose. Fulfill God's purpose in your life. Would you bow your heads? What has the Lord spoken to your heart today? What has he shared with you? Has he spoke to you? Has he pointed out some areas of your life going, yeah, yeah, that hurts a little bit, but yeah, you're right. I need to work on that. Don't delay. It's that simple. God, I desire your will to be done today. When I go to work, when I go to school, when I go shopping, when I go out to eat with my friends, doesn't matter. I want your will to be done. And I will look for you. That's what it means to seek the kingdom, to seek and follow Jesus and then follow him. And listen to me, he will never lead you astray. Some of you, Jesus brought you here this morning to open up your heart so that you would give your life to him. What a great way to start the 2020 year off. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you, if you're ready to start your off by giving your life to Jesus and surrendering your life to him, would you pray with me? We say this all the time, saying a prayer will not save you, but your lips can proclaim what your heart declares. And if your heart declares Jesus, shout it with your lips. You can pray this right now to yourself to say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I surrender my life to you. I surrender to you. Forgive me of my sins. Now help me seek you every day of my life. And if that's you, I'm going to believe that Jesus did something radical in your life. And here's what I want you to do. Please go to the next step area. Don't, don't miss that. Go to the next step area because we have some resources we want to give you as you take your journey in following Jesus. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. You are so good to us. Father, our heart's desire as a corporate body of believers is to seek you. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. The answer is yes. What do you want us to do? How do you want us to change this region? How do you want us to, to reach the people who need you? We pray for wisdom and discernment. As Lord, it's bigger than just us. It's all about you and your kingdom. We can't wait to see what you're going to do. We thank you in advance for revealing your will. 
to this body of believers. We love you, Jesus. It's your name we ask and pray. And everybody say, amen. Thanks for joining us at Better Life Church. If you'd love to discover more about how you can take your next step with Christ, we'd love for you to visit betterlife.church slash nextsteps. There you will find help and resources for whatever step God has for you. If you enjoyed this message, we'd love for you to subscribe and be part of our community. You can also join us live on Sundays or find more resources at betterlife.church. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.